0: you're listening to the muse writer center podcast right where you are welcome to the muse writer center podcast right where you are my name is anna fitzgerald and today's interview is with poet noah rent we talk about his process his inspiration and even a little bit about instrumental hip-hop enjoy the show Noah, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having me, Anna.
0: You're welcome. So, I have a couple of questions um, for our listeners, and hopefully they will be inspiring to new writers and experienced writers. So, the first question that i like to start out with is, was there a defining moment when you decided that you wanted to be a writer?
1: Yeah, there was. Um... In college, uh, early in my first couple years of college, I was a, uh, a business major, and um, I remember getting into some of those classes, uh, those economics classes, or um, you know, those, those business core classes, and I had this moment where I realized, you know, I just don't, I don't think I want to do this, I don't think I want to study business, <laughs> um, and um, the only thing I had ever really been good at in terms of school was writing. Uh, writing papers and um, I had always kind of written poetry uh, um, when I was a teenager and I didn't really tell anybody but um, at that moment when I didn't when I knew that I didn't want to be a business major I thought well what what could I major in and um, I thought I'll just be an English major and at that point I kind of thought well yeah then I can just write and that would be what I get to study and that would be what I get to do. (laughs) Um, And so it was a great moment for me because I sort of was able, you know, to find my way after floundering around a little bit in college for the first couple of years. So
0: So are you doing what you set out to do with that major? Yeah, it's been amazing.
1: (laughs) Um, I uh, got my bachelor's in creative writing and I got my MFA in creative writing. And now I've been teaching uh, for almost 10 years. And so wow. teaching and writing and, um, you know, doing those things I thought I could do, uh, once I made that decision.
0: And you have just published your first book. That's Tell us a little bit right. about that process for you.
1: Um, it really started a long time ago when I was, uh, in grad school and, uh, uh, generating a thesis for the third year of my MFA program. And, um, uh, I had a bunch of poems, and um, I didn't really think they were unified in any way. Um, You know, I tried to make the case for it, and I made it through the program, obviously, but I didn't really, it wasn't, I wasn't happy with it. And so, um, just when I started examining uh, kind of what I was really doing and trying to figure out what I was doing, I realized that I was writing a lot about uh, kind of growing up and living in the city of Norfolk. And so that that idea of, uh, you know, writing uh, something for the city uh, is really what kind of solidified all these poems come together and becoming the book that it is.
0: If you'd like to know more about Noah and his first chapbook titled Sinking City, it's published by Finishing Line Press. Go to finishinglinepress.com. When I asked Noah about his family's response to his first chapbook, in particular, his children, he had this to say. Um, well, my
1: daughter is, I think, somewhat impressed because she she's 11. Her name is Carmen. She loves to read, and she has books and books and books in her room. She's a big reader. And so the fact that I have a book, I think she's kind of like, I have a book that you can hold with my name and picture on it, you know, and, you know, just like all the other books that she has, you know, I think she's somewhat impressed. Uh, my five-year-old son Cyrus—he doesn't know what's going on. He knows that there's a book, there's a box of books in the house that came in the mail, and they have Daddy's name on it. You know, but he just—I guess he just accepts it. It's more kind of uh, just part of what's going on around him.
0: So let's say that your words are the biggest thing that you leave behind to the outside world, because your children and your partner will, your wife will know what kind of person you are, but to outsiders, your words are what they get to see. How do you feel about this, what you're leaving behind?
1: Uh, It is weird to think about that, you know, especially because this is, like, my first book, and so, you know, I hope that there's more books. (laughs) I would imagine there will be more books sometime in my future, but, yeah, um, I would be proud of this, and I would say if that's what you know me by then you know me pretty well.
0: Nice. <laughs> so if you weren't a writer or a teacher, what would you be?
1: I can remember, and my, my family can confirm this, my, my mom and my brother. I used to say that I wanted to be a stand-up comedian. <laughs> uh, but my job now is, is teaching. So I'm in the front of a room, and I have a captive audience. Um, and I get to crack jokes and see if people laugh. <laughs>
0: It's the most uh, steady-paying community <laughs> gig out there, right? My
1: students don't know, but I'm really just trying out material. That's, that's, that's what I'm doing. Uh, uh, there is something similar uh, to, to teaching and to the performative acts aspect of reading poetry. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something similar to stand-up. You need to hold the crowd's attention. You've got to make the room believe you. Um, you're trying to convey a point in both teaching and reading, you know. Um, and all those things you have to do in stand up as well. <laughs> so, so in a, in a way, I've sort of uh, because I'm not that funny of a person, I still get to be a stand up comedian in a way. I, I I get my mic time, you know.
0: In addition to teaching at Old Dominion University, Noah teaches poetry at the Muse Writers Center. The Muse is a nonprofit literary center located in Norfolk, Virginia. We serve all of Hampton Roads. Virginia, through our outreach programming, our classes, and community events. We have book launches, art openings, community discussions, and partnerships in the arts community. We would love for you to visit our website to see our class schedule and events. Go to www.the-muse.org or find us on social media on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for the Muse Writer Center. We appreciate your support at the Muse, including listening to this podcast. And now back to our interview with Noah Wren. What do you like about the Muse the most? Um,
1: I like a lot of things about the Muse. I like how I've been a part of it for so long. And I like how it's grown. But my favorite thing really is, and it's, it's, a, it's a great thing to have um, in any community, Whenever anyone gathers here at the Muse, they're always gathering for a good reason, like to support the arts and the artists. And, you know, we're all here under the same context. We're writing, you know, and so it's such a great thing to have because anytime you enter the building, you're there for a good purpose and everyone is here and you meet people and you know, people over the years and everyone's here and we're all sort of under the same impulse and same reason. We're here to write, we're here to teach, we're here to learn about writing and that's a good thing. It's a good thing to have in, in one's life.
0: So when you're writing, what comes alive inside of you?
1: This is a good question. This is a, this is a tough question to answer. Um, but it makes me uh, have to like think about myself like, and how I am when I'm writing. And I think there's a certain freedom. When anyone writes, I think you have to kind of open yourself up to the world. And you have to be willing to uh, take yourself to places that you don't have to do all the time. You know, just living your life, right? And so... Um, when i think about what i do when i write or 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 what i think about when i write there's this sort of ability to kind of not think about anything and let ideas flow into you you know and so that maybe you can call it wonder right because you're you're willing to like wonder about the world and you're willing to sort of open yourself up um but maybe mystery and there's some mystery to it right so the the mystery comes alive inside of me right because one of the great things about writing is is you get to surprise yourself. You get to find yourself generating ideas or, or, or writing lines that you would never have thought that you would come up with, you know? And there's something mysterious in that creative act.
0: What if there's that spark inside of you that wants the rest of the world to see your art, to hear it, to read it? What advice would you give them?
1: I would say do it. And I would say... You have to act on that impulse or you have to act on that spark. Um, it will become great for you if you act on it. If if you don't, you're just going to hold it inside and you're holding all your potential. Sure, all your joy, and yes, all your heartbreak. <laughs> you're holding all that. You're, you're preventing yourself maybe from from experiencing it. But I feel like... People find happiness and people find success when they act toward the things they want,
0: you know? You talked about being in the room with with other writers when you teach here and other people having day jobs and, and families. What do you think is, like, the most special moment in a room that someone can have or, or that your class has?
1: The most special moment is when someone gets the kind of feedback that they absolutely needed for that poem and so you can kind of see when when someone hears a a comment or a suggestion from one of their classmates and they go oh yeah they go oh yes like they might not say yes that's perfect I'm going to do that but you can sort of see something start to turn you know you see the wheel start going yes now you know with that bit of feedback i can then do this and i can make the poem what it needs to be and that's really a great moment because that's where we improve our writing and we and we take that practice um, of drafting and revising uh, to sort of uh, the last stage and we make that poem as perfect as it can be
0: when i asked noah about his writing process and who inspires him he had this to say
1: i actually listened to a lot of instrumental hip-hop Uh, When I write, and um, I'm a big fan of hip hop in general, but like when I write, and when I actually like have to get work done, um, I like to listen to to sort of instrumental hip hop, and I think it's the lack of uh, lyrics. The lyrics are taken out, and it's just the music, and um, I really like. I'm a big fan of Jay Dilla, who's who's, you know, instrumental hip hop. He, wa- he was. He was. He's gone, gone too soon. Too yes, soon. <laughs> but I'm. But I'm. Re- I'm a huge fan of like all his work. I like another um, guy, Prefuse seventy three. I'm a fan of the amazing contemporary work that's coming out of the United States uh, in terms of poetry right now. Um, I like Tiana Clark. Uh, I like Adrian mateka I like uh, um, John Sands. But yeah, um, I, I like most of the uh, the sort of contemporary poetry that's that's emerging. Kaveh Akbar, um, Chen Chen. These are all writers that people should be knowing in the contemporary moment. All those writers are great. Um, so yeah, a lot of like reading what's out there and then like listening to, <laughs> to instrumental hip hop when I write. That's what it is, right? I, I read the new stuff uh, and then I put on my headphones and I and I write.
0: And now a very short break before Noah Wren reads some of his poetry for us. Remember, you can find us online at www.the-muse.org. Find all our class schedules and more. Do you love your cup of joe in the morning? So do we. Join us for our writer's coffee break the first Friday of each month, 10.30 a.m. to noon, At Café Stella, located at 1907 Colonial Avenue, Ghent, Norfolk, Virginia. Well, Noah, it's been a pleasure to have you here. It's been cool. I was wondering if you would like to read for us.
1: Sure. (laughs) I'd love to. Okay.
0: This
1: is called everything west of newtown this is for my brother my brother's name is bean i'm really close with my brother he's a wild dude (laughs) he's a wild dude but i love him but this is this poem is for him it's time to redraw the borders said everyone losing their latest game of risk bean said have you ever even seen a map the world is big man Uzbekistan posts up on Kazakhstan like somebody sticker-bombed its dumpster fence. Italy's not a boot. It's a tree with a magic door. I can't even explain the two Georges without confusing somebody. Our city ain't nothing but silt on a seabed. Every time I sneeze, I feel it shift. Even when the floodgate fist bumps the bulkhead, the river still spills its vast love. All we know is it ends where the street signs go green, and our dad had no boundaries. If they'd let him tape off the world, he'd cop an avocado farm and measure by pepas de aguacate. I want to see the sand on the sidewalk in San Juan and remind polar bears about their father's glaciers, but beans never chance the Atlantic. Or even hit the midtown tunnel, save for funerals if we ever lived if we ever leave this place, here's what's on the line: an evil inheritance of hearts, heat checked at absolute zero. The miles of wire we ran through the mall, our initials deemed gang graffiti in sidewalk concrete, one j v championship trophy, one d u i our mother's empty home, two. Of the world's most unfinished stories, starting over again. This one is Weight of Almost. It's wireless light, like signals over oceans, and bearable. It's like when I'm almost finished grading essays, Cleaving the column of papers that have collected sawdust in manila envelopes. And then the weight of incomplete thought returns. It's when my lighter is almost out of gas, when I can only draw a blue flame, the color almost hot enough to ignite. When I just want to smoke in an alleyway to see a cloud rising up and over my head, it's light, like how I know the smoke will settle elsewhere. And it can also be heavy, can't it? The air in the room of the almost dead, when I'm not sure if the weight of tears is enough for gravity to extract, when my wife is almost ready to bear a child, body swollen with life almost to capacity, when change is almost everything. And maybe one more for you. It's called Molt. I was born by the river, my children too, like we've all been sent down in rudiment transport, a basket of reeds, perhaps, the city itself ready for us to leave. Instead, we've stayed through flood and fire, made life on this silt, mud, cattails on our dead-end street, every street on an island dead-ends at the water. And I'm sure someone before me has spoken about the silt and mud, how the sun breaks a shell of clouds, April's wet ground sinks into August's heat, and all the old weather that changes the skin, a blue crab's translucent malt. And in every word, a collection of coal dust in my nostrils, in the playgrounds of my children's lungs, on the granite sills. Someone has traced a life in the soot, The cattails and a small creature's forgotten body. I am still here, they say, and I love it when the train cars sing.
0: This podcast was recorded, edited, and produced by Anna Fitzgerald. All works read by the author are copyright and owned by the author Noah Wren. Background music is provided royalty-free by the artist Sergeant Slaughter with a title track of Adritachrome. You can find this royalty-free music on SoundCloud. Thanks for listening. We hope that you'll join us for our next episode. Remember, it's never too late to start writing. Just write where you are.